Hey, Red Shirts listeners, it is Matt Okada on the mic. And listen, redraft season is here. You need a draft kit. And the best one on the market, without question, is the Fantasy Footballer's Ultimate Draft Kit. It has got everything you need from rankings and your standard projections to all the fancy sauce with Matt Harmon's reception perception. Plus, some guy named Matthew Betts has some injury stuff in there that's pretty cool. So go check that out redshirtsudk.com and use code redshirts and you'll get 10% off which means you get a great draft kit you get a discount and you help us check it out welcome to the red shirts dynasty podcast a ball blast football production here are your hosts matthew betts matt okada and john helmkamp The mice shall play. Yes, sir. Welcome into the Red Shirts Dynasty podcast with John Helmkamp and Matt Okada. Because this is how we do. This is it. We don't, this is, uh, we don't need Matthew Betts nah. and his silly getting married self. Uh, no, just kidding. We love you, Betts. We, we miss you. Uh, we have no idea what we're doing. This podcast is going to be off the rails from the it's start. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we hope you have a successful wedding and that no no one crashes it or uh, anything crazy blows up or catches on fire. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not there, so the shenanigans will probably be at a minimum. Um, True. If we were, one can only dream of what that would yes. look like. Um, but in all seriousness, we, we love you, Betts. Uh, we're so happy for you. Happy nuptials, sir. Uh, enjoy your time. Please don't think about football over the next week or two. In, enjoy mm. this this season of life, and uh, we look forward to your presence when you reemerge a married man. I will uh, eat my shoe the day that bets goes a whole week without thinking about football. I know but it's wishful thinking; it really is. Yeah, give your best shot, bets. Um, well, John, how are you doing on this lovely? What is for us a Thursday mm. evening? An unusual recording time for us, by the way. But yes. Uh, Thursday, almost the end of the week. Listeners, it's Friday for you, so congrats on making it. Yeah, uh, hanging in, um, just surviving the dog days of summer in Arizona. Um, we're over 110 every single day for the foreseeable future on my 10-day forecast. So, um, yeah, it's, it's rough times. We're actually, we're, we're breaking a record. There's been... I want to say it's 16 straight days. That's my upstairs neighbor. I don't know what he's doing, <laughs> apartment living. Uh, but anyways, we're at, I think 16 straight days where the overnight low has been over 90 degrees. The overnight oh. low. If we if no. we're supposed to hit that again tonight into tomorrow morning, if that happens, it is the record. It's tracking for one of the hottest summers in Phoenix history. And of course, it's the summer that I'm here for it. So, um, not not super thrilled, Okada. Not not loving it. Um, yeah, it's not great. Not great, Bob. Not, not loving, loving it. it. That should be Arizona's motto. Yes. Um, all right. Well, it's not that hot here, so I'm surviving. Good but uh, I feel feel your pain. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, listen, we're going to get into some news, which there actually is quite a bit of. There's probably going to be a lot of news almost every episode from now for, for the next yeah. month because of all the craziness. Stuff's really ramping up. So the slow season is over, everybody. But before we get into that news, just a reminder, check us out on the social media, at Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, also, check out the website, ballblastfootball.com. Uh, as you guys know, we are now a Ball Blast Football production, mm-hmm. and the site is popping right now. Tons of good articles going up. A series for our Patreon users, which we will get into a little bit later. Some some fanciness about Patreon, but about uh, taking advantage of ADP on whatever website you use. So lots of good content. Check that out. But let's get into some news. I got great news, guys. Oh, oh. Got news. All right, I'm not going to come out of the gate with the hot lead, John. Mm. Let's save that be- because bury the lead, huh? The, okay. Yes, yes, bury the lead. It's the first thing I learned in journalism Absolutely. school when I got my bachelor's. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing: the player that is the lead is connected to our show today because mm. we're doing the AFC West yeah. division breakdown. So let's start somewhere else. Let's start out in the NFC where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just the most annoying backfield now in the oh, entire NFL, possibly. Easily. Went out and signed LaShawn McCoy. Shady. Veteran running back. Was on the Chiefs last year, kind of. Uh, yeah. But Got a he ring. now joins. Air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he now joins Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn in the Tampa Bay backfield. He said he was very excited to join Tom Brady and Gronk. Listen, that offense has a lot of pieces that have at some point been great. A lot of them are much older. Clearly, they're gearing up for a Super Bowl run here. What is your thoughts on McCoy, the fallout for the backfield, and maybe the Bucks as a whole? Does it does it mean much for them? Yeah, I think this entire offense um, in 2016 would have been absolutely fantastic. Um, <laughs> even Chris Godwin in college probably would have been able to slot in. But, um, I mean, Gronk, it, we have no idea what he's going to look like on the field. Um, last time we saw him, he was slow and lumbering and lots of back injuries and all kinds of issues. He looks good and like he's in shape, quote unquote, but he's not football shape. He hasn't been playing football. So we're going to have to see what that looks like. Um, Shady is not what he used to be and, and, you know, age catches up to everybody, especially running backs. So, you know, he's not prime Shady McCoy. They didn't even dress him for the Super Bowl, uh, which is Mm-mm. not good. Or the, A- or the AFC championship true, game. True. So I don't really know what all he has left in the tank at this point. It might just be a veteran depth ad, but the fact of the matter is that I- I'm not sure if, Bellatrix was ever a thing, or if it's just any backfield mm. that's associated with Tom Brady. Because now we mm. have another Tom Brady backfield, True. and I'm just going, you know what? I'm out. Like, I- I've been trying. I've been thinking it through. Do I want Keyshawn Vaughn, who I liked coming out of college? Do I want Ronald Jones because it's his second year in the playbook? Um, Dair could be very valuable in the passing game. Now you bring in Shady McCoy, who's also a very good pass-catching back. I have no idea what the workload split's going to look like. It's incredibly difficult to project at this point. Shady might see the field for, you know, four to six touches a game. It could happen. Um, Dyer could also get four to six touches a game. Keyshawn Vaughn could get six to eight, and Ronald Jones could get eight to 12. I I I don't know. 
I have no idea how it's going to split. I'm just out at this point. There's just other options elsewhere where I feel like I have a clearer picture of what their role is going to be, and I'll invest in those pieces. But I'm just kind of like, I I don't want it. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what this does to draft prices within the next month when redraft drafts really kick into full gear in August. Is the general public, where most of you guys play your leagues, if you play redraft, because this is a Dynasty podcast now, technically, uh, but... In redraft is yeah. Don't tell Kate and Michelle. The name of LaShawn McCoy going to bump him up enough that he's not worth drafting and bump everyone else down enough that they are worth drafting. Maybe. And to your point, like this is a guy who was healthy scratched out of the two most important games of the year, and not with like a Zeke Elliott running the backfield. It was Damian Williams who Spoiler alert is the subject of the next piece of news, uh, but certainly is no like uh, p- pure RB1 no. bell cow guy. So nor nor do they even have like a ton of depth after that. There's a bunch of Williamses and none of them were super impressive. Williams and Williams. And McCoy was still a healthy mm-hmm. scratch. Exactly. So I don't think he has too much left. I think I agree with you there. Um, I don't really expect him to be too much of a threat. However, what he might be is a guy who takes snaps on third down right. because they know he can protect Brady um, and it might hurt, you know, Vaughn's ability to get into the starting lineup sooner or even to get meaningful snaps sooner. Yeah, it's rough all around that's, for everybody. That's another big thing for me right now, because right now, Keyshawn Vaughn is on the COVID list. We don't know if that's yes. because he's tested positive or because he was exposed, but it's more time that he's missing in this already really, really weird and short offseason um he has yet to be in person with his team and coaches ever since being drafted. That's what we're looking at. He has not been face-to-face with his team, with his offense alignment, with his O-coordinator, with Brady, nothing. And he's not going to be at this point until maybe a week before the season starts or two weeks before the season starts, depending on how the testing goes. So he's really behind the eight ball now. You add in a veteran piece into that backfield, and I'm really worried about Keyshawn Bond. Are you sending a, a couple offers for very small picks, back late picks, for either Rojo or Vaughn? Like sending, sending picks to acquire? Yeah, like a second for either of them? Maybe I would send a second for Vaughn. Because I still think he's the most talented running back in that backfield. Um, And he's got the youth on his side. So if someone's really panicking right now about this backfield, like I might send out a second for Keyshawn Vaughn, who went in the first in your rookie drafts, maybe high second round. We we talked a lot. We've talked a lot recently about, you know, who to buy if you're rebuilding, who to sell when you're going for the championship. I feel like getting Vaughn now in a rebuild for a reduced price is not a bad Absolutely. move because you don't need him to produce this year. Right. All right. Well, let's move on to the, uh, LaShawn McCoy's, the guy who kicked LaShawn McCoy out of Kansas City, kind of, not really. Damian Williams opting out of his contract. Yeah. Massive news. Huge. The biggest news by far of the COVID fallout so far for fantasy because it means that Clyde Edwards Elaire, Mr. LSU, Mr. Pass Catching Maven, Mr. First Round, highest drafted running back now has as clear a shot to the starting job and really maybe even a bell cow role uh, as anybody that got drafted. 
How, let's ask it this way. How high do you have him now for redraft? And what would you be willing to offer right now for him if you're buying or are you selling? For redraft purposes right now, he moves all the way up to running back seven in my running back mm. rankings because That's exactly where I have Yeah, I saw that. You and I both went seven, bets went eight. So we're all right there. He's a mid to back end running back one without ever touching the field because there's no one else in that offense. It, it's they they have he's got the draft capital. We've got all the news about the coaching staff loving him and saying that he's better already than Brian Westbrook that Patrick Mahomes handpicked him during the draft. He went in the first round. Production, pass-catching ability, like he checks all the boxes that you want. Um, He goes to the highest-powered offense in the entire NFL. He's going to have so many scoring opportunities in that offense. Um, I don't need him to carry the ball 250, 275 times either. Even if he only carries it 200 to 215 but that receiving ability, if he gets 60, 70, maybe 80, I mean, like, that's way out there. But if he's a high-volume producing receiving back as well, plus the touchdown ability, like, he fits the mold of an Alvin Kamara in terms of what that mm. workload split could kind of look like. You don't need him to carry the ball 22 times a game. Give him 14 carries a game and six receptions and let him go to work in space when Tyreek Hill is taking three defenders 40 yards down the field. It's juicy. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, in redraft, yeah, lock him in, take him in the first round, don't blink, don't look back. I I love it. Um, In Dynasty right now, he's worth at least two firsts, minimum. I was going to say. He's worth at least two firsts. Yeah, and and let me just say this for the Dynasty community. I think there was a lot of uh, pushback to the reaction on CEH that said, if this moved CEH and your I Dynasty rankings even a hair, that's just silly. You're you need to rethink wrong. what you're doing. No, the number one year you are playing for in Dynasty is this year. Every year after that has less value than this year. And the value increase for CEH with this move is massive this year. Plus, by the way... The sooner he starts producing and dominates, the higher his price goes quicker, the more you can trust him early on. It really matters how quickly a running back comes out of the gate. So, yeah, I think it's two firsts for sure. I am I'm on the fence here about whether or not he should jump Jonathan Taylor as the number one dynasty running back in this rookie class. Now, most rookie drafts are over, so it doesn't really matter that much. It's more just for philosophy. And I know you won't agree, yeah. uh, but the opportunity certainly is incredible. We know the talent is good. I would say it's not quite in the level of Jonathan Taylor's. Certainly, they're different uh, to a somewhat significant degree, but it's big. It's impactful. If you have CEH, if you drafted him already, you know, good on you. <laughs> You've benefited quite a bit from this COVID situation, yes, at least in fantasy football. Um also, really quick, uh, Nate Solder, left tackle yeah. for the Giants, has also opted out. Keep in mind, listeners, that these kind of opt-outs can be just as important because, you know, if you have a, a former Pro Bowl left tackle who now is completely gone, they have to just find another replacement, that's going to hurt Daniel Jones quite a bit. That could hurt Saquon Barkley. Like, does it does it move Daniel Jones in your rankings at all, or are you just a little bit less 
gung-ho about what he can do this season. I don't know that it's enough for me to actually make a move in my rankings, but it, it is something to pay attention to, right? Like, he, he, early on in the season, watching how this offensive line is going to operate, what's it going to look like without Nate Solder there? Um, I don't, it's, it's not enough for me to actually make a tangible move in my rankings and move Daniel Jones down, but it is something that makes you go, oh, Okay, I'm going to have to look for that. This is a quarterback that fumbled like every third snap last year. Mm. And all of a sudden he's missing an offensive lineman. So, like, it, it is definitely concerning. It's something to watch and how this is going to look. Now, granted, Nate Solder doesn't quite look like what he used to in New England. And that's probably because New England gets the most out of every player that they have on their roster. Um, and whenever they go somewhere else, generally it's a downgrade other than Chandler Jones, who's balling out in Arizona. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be something to watch for sure and see how that impacts ball security, uh, pressure, you know, is he getting happy feet back there in the pocket? Uh, what's all that going to look like? It, it is definitely something to pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, they paid a lot of money for Nate Solder, so certainly they thought he was worth, you know, having there. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up the news, the quite, the quite hefty news. Let's get into breaking down the AFC West because, first of all, CEH is in the AFC mm-hmm. West, so that's exciting and timely. Second of all, this division is interesting. Now, of course, there's a clear front runner in it. The Chiefs are going to win it yeah. uh, probably every year for the next several <laughs> years. Maybe until Mahomes' contract is over, but let's not hate on the other teams here. In fact, we'll start with them and save the Chiefs because I'm just feeling like burying the lead today. Uh, So let's start with the team in the newest football city in the entire nation, the Las Vegas Raiders, not Oakland, Uh but the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, it kind of feels like this is a two-player fantasy team. You got Josh Jacobs, you got Darren Waller, and then everything else is kind of a crapshoot. Having said that, maybe... you know, someone has to step up in the receiving core. I would think, yay or nay, st- starting with the receivers because there's a lot of interesting names there. Obviously, Henry Ruggs just drafted in the first round. They also have Tyrell Williams, who's had some fantasy seasons before. I don't expect him to become anything great, but he's there. Hunter Renfro, a potential up-and-coming talent. Certainly doesn't have the upside, I would say, that Henry Ruggs does. Mm-hmm. But maybe a little bit safer option. Also, Brian Edwards, another rookie drafted. So a lot of names, but not a lot of clarity. What do you make of this conglomeration here? Yeah, the wide receiver position is interesting. And I think kind of being, by and large, undervalued. Um, I've been saying kind of all all offseason, I I love Hunter Renfro. I, I think that he's great. All he does is catch passes. He's got great hands, wins contested catches, great out of the slot. Um was the go-to target basically when you needed a first down for Deshaun Watson at Clemson. Um, did the same thing this last year, had a few more opportunities where he started to kind of step up into that offense. Um, I expect him to take a step forward and I expect him to probably be the primary possession wide receiver. I think that he's the one that's going to be moving the chains. He's going to operate out of the slot a lot. You have Henry Ruggs on the outside now to, to kind of take the top off the defense and pre-NFL draft, what we talked about with Henry Ruggs, he's going to be way better for actual NFL football than fantasy, most likely. And we'll see. We'll see what kind of player he develops into and the workload that they give him. If he does actually command a really good target share, then Henry Ruggs could be a really good value. He could be someone that has a potential skill set 
similar to a Tyree kill where you just want to get him the ball in space because of his raw athleticism and, and let him take over from there. So Hunter Renfro is definitely the one I think that I'm most confident in in that receiving court. Yeah, I think that's fair. Certainly Ruggs has the upside. Renfro probably has the reliability a little bit more. Uh, for this year, I've got a no ceiling and tons of floors on these guys. The highest target count I have for any of the receivers is 80. Yeah. That's Ruggs, and uh, Renfro is right behind him with 76. No one over 700 yards for me this year. I, I think this is a wait-and-see year. So if you have any of these guys, I think you're waiting. Um, maybe if Renfro is out there and the guy is not too pleased with him, you could go buy him. But I feel like most people who have Renfro are going to sit on him just like we just said to do. So I think it's kind of a figure out what's going to happen. All right, moving on from the receivers that aren't that interesting. Let's talk say, about the running before backs. Before we jump on oh, to yes. Josh Jacobs there, um, I will say that Brian Edwards is very interesting. He's someone that you can get late in rookie okay. drafts. He's a big body. He's the biggest receiver that they have in that receiving core. Um, he has a potential skill set in terms of jump ball, contested catches, red zone ability. Um, he adjusts to the ball really well in the air. There's a lot of highlights of, the, of that. You saw him do it a ton in college. He is someone that I'm... I'm interested in but again this is is a long play it's like if i'm gonna roster him on my dynasty team he's probably gonna be chilling for two to three years um not this year but he is kind of someone to keep an eye on for developmental reasons sure i don't hate it at all uh okay running backs josh jacobs that's pretty much it love him (laughs) Uh, throw, him, throw there. him the damn ball. That's all that there is yes. about that. Just throw him the ball. So let, let's talk about that, actually, because Josh Jacobs is a guy we saw in college can catch the yeah. football. With, he has the talent to do it. They did not really give him a chance last year. Let's say he gets 70 targets this oh. year. How high is his ceiling? If he gets 70 targets, yeah. his ceiling is higher than Miles Sanders. Ooh. For sure. Interesting. Yeah. I, okay. I Josh Jacobs to me is a way better runner than Miles Sanders is. Oh, he's I think that's probably he's fair. He's a very good pure runner. Very very good. That offensive line is is really talented. It's very underrated. People don't talk about it enough. But they open up some lanes for him. I think they're going to feed him on the ground. He's a bell cow from a carry perspective running back. If he gets 70 targets and converts that into 45 receptions on the season, yeah, 45 receptions, an extra 300 scrimmage yards, throw him a couple extra touchdowns in there as well. He has like mid-range RB1 upside easily. Yeah, I was going to say right around there as well. I think he I think Jacobs is a guy who can get I don't I don't know if he can quite hit the elite tier. Um, he's not necessarily on what we see right now as a great offense. Right. I don't see him having a Christian McCaffrey or even Alvin Kamara type target upside, even though he does have the pass catching chops. But just from what we saw in his rookie year, I can't really imagine that blowing up to a hundred targets, um, or even 90, but you know, could he be Derrick Henry? You know, I'll bite not the size of Derrick Henry. No one is the size of Derrick Henry. <laughs> no. Uh, compete for a rushing title even at some point. Certainly, yeah. yes. Maybe be a better pass catcher than Henry. Very possibly. Uh, maybe even like a Nick Chubb yeah. type 
ceiling. Chubbs, Chubbs um, are a really good comparison for me with Josh Jacobs if they get him the ball in in the passing game. I he he runs about as well as Nick Chubb does, and Nick Chubb is widely considered to be one of the best pure runners in the NFL. So Josh Jacobs to me is is there. They just got to throw him agree. throw him the ball. Uh, well, speaking of throwing the ball, the one guy who we do know they're going to throw the ball to is Darren Waller. Yes. Well, at least we assume that based off what we saw last year, because he absolutely exploded after dealing with a lot of stuff early on in his career. Huge season for Waller. Dominated the target share there in what was technically Oakland. Um, where do you have him among your dynasty tight ends? Is he in that top tier or is he just outside it? He's outside the top tier for me. I still think there's enough question marks around that offense for me to put him up there with, uh, Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz. Obviously he's not on the George Kittle, Travis Kelsey tier. They're in a league of their own. So Travis. Yeah. I don't even count right, that. No, tier. but like below that you have like Zach Ertz, uh, Mark Andrews in kind of any order, depending on who you ask. Um, he's kind of right outside there for me in terms of dynasty. He might be the fifth best tight end from a dynasty perspective. Um, because what he did last year was great. He's uber athletic when he gets the ball in his hands. Um, and they learned that. So I just need this offense to do more. And, and I don't know if Derek Carr can support the ceiling of all the players in this offense that we're talking about with Josh Jacobs receiving ability with getting Waller, you know, that offense as a whole needs to score more touchdowns for Darren Waller to be able to be in that top tier. Basically is mm. what it's going to look like. True. That's pretty fair. Um, only scored three last what? year, which was pretty shocking considering 117 targets and 90 catches for over 1,100 yards. You would think those touchdowns would come up. They do need to get in the red zone for that to happen. So if this whole team gets a little better, I expect Waller can hold or even step up, maybe even into that next tier. I have him exactly where you mentioned, tight end five, right outside that Ertz and Andrews tier. I think he's kind of... I feel like Waller's maybe his own little tier of one player that's just yeah. outside Ertz and Andrews, who I feel like are more reliable, but is ahead of the Henrys I don't know. and... Like, I Everybody else. I just I just love Henry. Like I know that you do too, but I love I love Henry as a talent. Like I love he's that tight end I've been waiting for like three years to be like, can you please give me sixteen games? Give me fourteen. Screw sixteen. Give me fourteen games of of, I would take of Hunter Henry. And it would look so good. So I don't know. That's tough for me. I think that technically I have Hunter Henry above him in my rankings. Um, but I think that they're right in that same kind of neighborhood as as those like fringe could really break in to the top tier kind of tight ends. Um, okay. And also, I think it's something to keep in mind about this offense as a whole. They went through some really weird stuff last year because they had the whole Antonio Brown saga, Ooh, who they were expecting true. to be their stud alpha wide receiver one. And then that fell apart at the last second. So they had to kind of regroup and bundle all the pieces. Now they've gone out and they've gotten more pieces. They got a speedster Henry Ruggs to stretch. They got a big guy in Brian Edwards. So they're doing everything that they can to get the pieces in place for this offense. It was also the first year with John Gruden. It was. Not just as their coach, but as a coach in a long Ten time. Ten years. So, yeah. So you could certainly say that there is potential upside for this team. You know, I'm not projecting them to win 10 games or anything like that, but I think the offense could take a step forward. I don't hate that at Knock all. If, if it is going to take a step forward, it's probably going to require a step forward from Derek Carr uh, because he's been just whatever. He hasn't looked good since, since that 2015. one year he was pretty good. Yeah, 2015. Exactly. 
was actually in the MVP conversation back then, and he got hurt. I think it was a thumb injury or something like that. A hand Didn't they go 13-3? Thir- they had a really good record. Um, but since then, he's been a game manager at best. Uh, interestingly, they brought in Marcus Mariota this offseason to a better contract than some backups have gotten uh, yeah. this offseason as well. Marcus got paid more than Jameis Winston. Yes. Very weird. Um, what do you... Is there any chance? Let's, let's start with this. Is there any chance that Derek Carr does take that step forward, or is he locked in as a back end QB two? You don't even really care about him that much in Superflex and has no upside. What's tough for me is that his completion percentage was incredibly good last year, yes. which is very interesting because he throws behind the line, right? Because they didn't ask mostly. him to do a whole lot. But I don't know. With the weapons that they have there in the second season, it's possible that he takes a step forward. I don't think he takes a giant leap forward. I think that we've seen the ceiling for Derek Carr. Um, he's I've said it before on this show. He's just good enough for you not to to can him. Like, they can't just move on from Derek Carr because... Perfectly fine. He's perfectly fine because he doesn't suck enough for them to be like, okay, we're blowing it up yep. and we're going to go out and make a move for, you know, a top-tier quarterback in the draft or something like that. I don't know. I think you've just seen what it is, and they don't have the defense to be... If you're going to have a quarterback like that, your defense better be really, really Mm. good. And they don't have the defense to support that. So it's like, they're kind of in la-la land. Derek Carr's in la-la land. What's this identity going to look like going forward? You traded away Mac a couple years ago. So, like, what's your plan? I don't know. I'm still waiting to figure that out. I think they're still waiting to figure it out. We'll see what happens. Uh, I will say this. I'm going to throw this out there. You tell me how crazy I am. I would rather have Marcus Mariota at his price than Derek Carr at his price. Oof. I, I still think there's a tiny chance that Mariota does something in the NFL. And maybe it's take Carr's job if Carr loses, you know, starts the season two and six. Maybe Mariota gets a chance. Or maybe it's just he plays one game at the end of the year and looks good when the season is over and he gets another job somewhere else as a starting quarterback. But you can get him for pennies on the dollar. Car and a super flex, you still have to pay something for. And I don't see any upside. Yeah, Mariota's interesting to me. I'm an Oregon guy. Um, Heisman winner from Oregon. Looked absolutely incredible. Rushing ability was amazing. Um, I don't know, though. We just haven't seen it. It's just been very spotty, very inconsistent in the NFL. Did a great job with ball security. I'll give him that. He had a couple of really good seasons on a ball security standpoint. Um, safe. He's safe. He's Alex. He's yeah. Alex Smith, and, and mm. I don't know that there's a whole lot else there to the game. Uh, unfortunately, he just didn't didn't kind of progress into that NFL quarterback that we thought he was going to be when he came out. Fair enough. All right, let's let you know what. Let's go over to Los Angeles since we talked about Hunter Henry, mm. and we can just start with him. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Every team in this division apparently is moving, so get ready, Chiefs, because you're going to be moving next. <laughs> no, they ain't. Uh, they are naming yeah, no, the there's literally zero chance. after Pat Mahomes. They're not going anywhere. True. Um, the most interesting question here is certainly the quarterback position, but let's save that. We talked about Hunter Henry in reference to Darren Waller. They're kind of right there together. I do agree with you. I have Waller one spot ahead. I think you said you have Henry one spot ahead. Honestly, it could be a coin flip either way. Both of these guys... Listen... Waller has had his breakout because last year was crazy productive, but I still feel like there's maybe some uncertainty. Like, was that a fluke? 
with the additional pass catching weapons will he come back down a little bit meanwhile Henry has not really properly had the full breakout because he hasn't played a full season I think since his rookie year uh but every time we've seen him it's been flashes if he puts together a whole season if he becomes a tight end we think he could be is there a ceiling Because no. I think it's tight end one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think that there is. If he puts it all okay. together, he has the skill set in an offense with enough weapons. If the quarterback position can support it and he can stay healthy, he could loft himself into that, you know, right maybe just behind George Kittle. He could reach it. He could hit that ceiling. He could have – he has tight end one overall ability in his game depending on health and depending upon quarterback play i could see a realm of possibility where at the this time next year we're talking about hunter henry over travis kelsey i think so with kelsey being i think he's 30 now another year older older in dynasty formats if we have hunter henry piecing together an entire season with his youth and attached to a young quarterback yeah it could be a conversation to be had for sure um as a note, we are doing a Dynasty startup right now, yeah. which I'll actually mention a little bit more at the sponsorship break. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. But Hunter Henry, he was the fifth tight end drafted. I don't know if you've seen this, John, but he went almost, no, more than two full rounds after Waller at the end of the eighth. Yeah. So the, the gap that people see there, I think, is pretty big. And I don't necessarily see as much of a gap, and I think that he has these, a, a greater ceiling than anybody in the eighth round or later. By the way, this is a tight end premium league. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the price for Henry is pretty nice right now. I think he's one of those guys that you want to buy now before this season yeah. because worst-case scenario, he kind of stays at the price he's at if he has another 10-game season. Best-case scenario, you get a massive deal when he is elite. So go do that. Yeah. Buy yourself some Hunter Henry. Yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, okay, let's talk about the quarterbacks because sure. that's really what it all hinges on for this team. Tyrod Taylor. Woo! Get out your exciting. Yeah. Um, Tyrod Taylor signed to supposedly maybe start the season. They have talked him up a bit so far. I think that's probably them trying to put, well, I would say put fans in the stands, but that's not really going to happen either because coronavirus but put fans in the stores that buy their jerseys. i don't know merchandising yeah yeah they're gonna try it out i think with tyrod taylor but justin herbert waiting in the wings sixth overall pick if i'm not mistaken which i could be six okay good thank you another oregon guy another oregon quarterback Mm -hmm. how do you see this playing out this year and i think we can all assume herbert takes over by the start of next year where do you see him kind of maybe rising to in dynasty i think that herbert takes over by around week six i think it's that is a very nice number i think it's gonna be right around there this season where tyrod taylor starts the year and they go about two and four and tyrod taylor all of a sudden doesn't look like the quarterback that he was in buffalo because guess what it was like five years ago it's been a minute so I think that Tyrod Taylor is going to get the nod to start because he's a veteran, and this is a really weird offseason in particular. But you don't take a quarterback sixth overall and not play him. It's just not how it works anymore. Yeah, I think that's the real key. If you look at the numbers, like we looked at – Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback for the Browns. 
Baker Mayfield got drafted and they said, uh, we're going to try ourselves from Tyron Taylor right out of the gate. Nah. And no, he lasted not even, what was it, two games? One and a half um, games? Technically, he got hit and yeah, Baker went in. And never looked back. But then he just kept the job. Yeah. So, uh, I'll tell you what. I just pulled up their schedule just for fun. Sure. I think it's going to be, I think week six is going to be the week that Herbert starts because here's their schedule. They play the Bengals. They probably pull that one probably. off. Good job, Chargers. A nice opening win on opening day. Sorry, Joe Burrow. The fans are excited. Is it, then is they it home or away? Home or away for Sierra. Or first game. Away. So at Cincy, Joe Burrow yes. coronation ceremony in yes. Cincinnati. Who knows? Maybe Burrow pulls off a miracle and they even lose that one. But I'm going to give it, give him the benefit of the sure. doubt. Then they play the Chiefs and get slammed. Then they pay the, play the Panthers. I think the Panthers I think win the Panthers that one. Win that. I think they put together a pretty good little, little team mm-hmm. there. Then they play the Buccaneers. Uh, You're losing that. It, Sorry. The, the, the Buccaneers are winning. Tom Brady what and saying. what they put together yeah. over there. Yeah, the, the Buccaneers are winning that. And then they play the Saints in week five and get clobbered again. Not good. Heading into week six. Heading into week six against the Jets. A nice Perfect. soft matchup for Herbert to come out against. Beautiful. Boom. No, there no you go. Jamal Adams anymore. Beautiful. No. Beautiful. Nothing in the secondary. That is the week. That's beautiful. I love this. That's yes. week six. You heard it here first. That is week six debut for Justin Herbert. Pen and, that okay, so pen. Yeah, so Herbert takes over. Yep. He's got offensive weapons, yep. a lot of them. He was a six overall pick. Do you see him being a QB one within a couple years? I do. Um, to me, he reminds me a little bit of Josh Allen. They're both bigger quarterbacks with cannon arms that are very mobile. Um, I think that the people that have the concerns about his uh, accuracy issues that he had at times um, discredit the potential rushing ability that he brings to the game just like Josh Allen. He doesn't need to have a 70% completion percentage for him to be a fantasy quarterback one. I think it's entirely possible that he is going to be one of those quarterbacks that you can bank four to 500 rushing yards a season out of Justin Herbert and slot him in nicely as like your quarterback eight, nine, something like that in fantasy. And you have the weapons around him with Austin Eckler for dump offs for Keenan Allen, who just absolutely cooks every defender that tries to guard him. And oh, Hunter Henry that we just talked about, uh, Mike Williams. Uh, he has arguably one of the top five offensive casts in the NFL, maybe from a skill position standpoint. Yeah, like I it's it's all there. It. It's all there for him to to take that step. Um. Might be a little bit of a bumpy year one with it just being a weird COVID season and stuff like that. But yeah, I think that Justin Herbert is is a fine quarterback for Dynasty because of the athleticism. He's a strider, man. Like, he doesn't look like he's running fast, but he's 6'6", and he just eats up yardage whenever he runs. Um, ran in the four... Oh, was it in the four fives? Was he sub four six? I think it was in the four, four five seven or something like along four, those lines. Five seven is exactly the number I was going to say. That sounds about right. So yeah, I think that he has the athleticism, um, big body. Like had one freak injury where he broke his collarbone in college, but other than that, very durable. Um, he just kind of fits into that athletic big body quarterback mold that brings a rushing floor to the game. We were on crack. It was a four six eight. Oh, uh, okay. But still, that's still not bad for a quarterback that size. Certainly not. That's okay. Um, all right. So we we both like him in the future. Uh, I, I do think he'll be a, a kind of maybe back end QB1 yeah. 
within a couple years. I don't ever see him probably being like a top four or no, five I guy. Think so. I don't think I don't he's think. But he'll be there like maybe in the he's kind of he's kind of got a little bit of Alex Smith with an arm written on him. Like he can be that that sort of back in QB one who has sneaky rushing ability, but also I feel like Herbert's got a better arm, so maybe he can get a little. Well, he's got an absolute cannon for an arm. Like at his yeah. pro day, he yeah. threw seventy yards flat footed. Like it was ridiculous. Oh, and by the way, the Chargers staff was involved with the Senior Bowl where he went to, and mm-hmm. they fell in love MVP. with MVP. They fell in love with him there. Oh, and who else was in that game that they also drafted? Running back. Someone. Joshua Kelly. Oh, uh, Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly yeah. and Herbert were on the field at the same time in, yep. in that Senior Bowl. And everyone was like, oh, Herbert's soft-spoken. He's not a leader. All the players responded to him and loved him. And he was outspoken and high-fiving and and hugging after the game. And I think he did a great job for himself at the Senior Bowl. And the Chargers clearly fell in love with him and Josh Kelly both and took them both. Yeah. Well, let's let's hop over to the running backs. Uh, Josh Kelly, newly drafted. Mm-hmm. I believe the fourth round. Yes. But I'm not 100% positive on that. Uh, fourth or fifth, maybe. I think it was fourth. I think it was the fourth. Um. Out of UCLA, did look good in the Senior Bowl. I like him. I think we talked about him a little bit in our uh, one of our podcasts back in the draft season. I think he actually has a good chance to be something. But for now, it is Austin Eckler. And technically, it's probably Justin Jackson ahead of him as well. But mainly, it is Austin Eckler. Uh, after a massive season last year with Melvin Gordon holding out. Now Melvin Gordon gone. Uh, they signed Austin Eckler to a bit of an extension, three years, if I'm not mistaken. Not six too much money. I believe it was a little over six million per year. Yeah, it was like six and a half. Yeah. Well, where are you valuing Austin Eckler in Dynasty? Because he's a little bit he's he's a little bit of an anomaly in that he kind of fits somewhere in between the true RB ones that you know you love and are reliable with, and all the young guys who you're hoping step up. He's kind of in this middle ground that is maybe a little harder to evaluate. He is because he's not like a fantastic runner, but he's so freaking good in the passing game, which is why he's so valuable in PPR. He's a fine enough runner. Like he's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not great on the ground. His strength is being used, utilized in the passing game and in space, and he breaks a ton of huge plays, like constantly. He's always breaking a big play. So his ability really stems from that, which makes him harder to evaluate for me because I like my running backs to actually run the ball, shockingly enough. Um, so for me, I've been kind of thinking about this, especially since uh, the Damian Williams news broke yesterday. Um, and started really kind of diving back in on my running back rankings, where to put CEH, how to compare him with like Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, uh, stuff like that. Um, I think that Eckler for me kind of pushed down my board a couple. I think that he's probably like a back end RB one for me right now in dynasty. Um, because he's going to be there for a couple years, which is great, but I don't think that he's going to get the workload on the ground. And I think that last year's usage in the passing game and the efficiency that he showed in that was a little bit of an outlier. I expect that to come down maybe a little bit from what we saw last year where he was just absolutely torching everybody for the first like half of the season. Yeah, he is a back end RB1 in Dynasty for me as well. RB11 to be exact. Um, 
in kind of the somewhere between the Mixon, Aaron Jones tier and the Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake area. Yep. Kind of the guys that we know can be top end RB ones, but we're not hundred percent sure yet. So I think he's gonna be very solid. I like him. I also like Josh Kelly. I think you guys should go buy him. Fourth round. Maybe after the first couple games. Fourth round, thank you. Uh, after the first couple games, when Justin Jackson gets more carries than him, and people are like, ah, this Josh Kelly guy is nothing, go out and buy him, see what he could, what he could become. I could easily see him uh, out-carrying Austin Eckler within a couple years. Yes, for sure. I agree with that. Not out-touching, necessarily, yeah, right. but out-carrying. Um, okay, let's close it out with receivers. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And after that, diddly squat. Nada. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Keenan Allen getting a little bit older. Mike Williams uh, is tough with Mike Williams because he has quote unquote broken out in that he's had some seasons, with a lot of touchdowns. He just had over a thousand yards, yeah. but uh, yes, I believe so. Yep. Last year. Uh, but we have not seen him become what he maybe was drafted to be, which was a true number one dominant player. I mean, this guy was taken seventh overall. Uh, in 2017, Keenan Allen is 28, mm-hmm. so he's he's still right within a nice age where he could be a good productive receiver for a few more yep. years. I think we know what he is. He's an established back end one. He's a good PPR receiver. Uh, probably more of a high end two, depending on the quarterback situation this year. We'll see how that pans out. But let's talk more about Mike Williams. Yeah. So last year, thousand yards, uh, only two touchdowns. The year before that. 664 yards, 10 touchdowns. Like, what? How do you what? evaluate that? Like, I have no idea. Let's find a happy medium, can we, Mike? Like, from low yardage, massive touchdown to nice yardage, minimal touchdown. Makes no sense. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to say, like, did he have his breakout? Because in his second year, he had a touchdown breakout. In his third year, he had a yardage breakout. But he hasn't put them together. And for a guy who was drafted seventh overall, you definitely want to see both those things together at some point. I know Betts loves Mike he Williams. Does. I also have been a big Mike Williams fan in the past. I'm a little concerned. The touchdowns last year, and listen, touchdowns are not a sticky stat. It's very liable to come back up. Phillip Rivers was doo-doo throwing the ball deep right. last year. I'm sure Mike Williams should have had three or four touchdowns that Phillip Rivers just bungled throwing five yards underneath. But I'm falling down a little bit from my position that I did have a couple years ago that I thought he could be a top-end wide receiver one. Having said that, I do still think that if Herbert ends up being what we've talked about, which is a QB1, a back-end QB1, that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams can both be valuable and Mike Williams can put up a 1,000-plus and six or seven touchdowns. And you are 100% in the wide receiver two range at that point, which is definitely a better position than where he's going right now or what his value is right now so I guess the question is what do you think are the chances that that happens for him I think it's there I do and maybe it's because I still look at him through rose-colored glasses for what he did at Clemson because man he was so fun he was so fun to watch at Clemson classic Clemson receiver just so good dominant big lanky yeah, Deshaun Watson great. throwing the ball up to him, him go up and get it and bring it down. It just incredible. But I do think that he has a really good skill set that just didn't match with Phillip Rivers at the back end of Phillip Rivers' career. Um, so I think that his like breakout was really kind of sputtered by Phillip Rivers' play. 
when Justin Herbert mm-hmm. takes over this offense, Herbert is a good thrower. He's not as inaccurate as a Josh Allen. Like, I, I think that he's a better passer than Josh Allen is. He, he could easily have like a... That's not too hard to it's be. It's really but not. Yes. But if you, if you <laughs> tell me that next season, for the 2021 season, he's got a completion percentage around 63, I'd buy that. I think that's absolutely doable. He's not going to be like a 57 completion percentage guy. So, and he's so good on the deep ball, throws an absolute rocket. He's 6'6". He's going to like that. He's going to love taking his shots with the big body wide receiver. And I think that he's going to give him jump balls way better than Phillip Rivers did. So I think that that thousand yard season, six to eight touchdowns is very, very doable for, for Mike, uh, Williams almost hit Mike Evans. Um, so doable for him. I think that he's got that in his repertoire. Absolutely. I think it'll match up well with when Herbert takes over. Yeah. And listen, above all else, his price right now is, I think you got to go get him. Yeah. He's going, I just checked ADP somewhere in the mid wide receiver thirties oh. between Will Fuller and AJ green. Oh. Like his floor is around where those, where those guys could be probably and his ceiling is still a wide receiver one if he truly breaks out yep. and puts the yardage and the touchdowns together. So I think you go out and buy him. I, I mean, you can get him for a back end second, right? Probably. I'm not I tripping think that there. Would do it. I would absolutely pay a back end second. I would rather have him than the receivers I'm getting in the back end of the second yeah. round right now. And those and those are some decent receivers. So, all right. We have technically 10 minutes left until the hour mark, John, and have two whole teams left. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't give no crap because Betts isn't here. <laughs> Betts can't tell us it's bedtime on the East Coast. Oh, so. no more Grandpa Betts tonight. Sorry, listeners. This is going to maybe be a little bit of a it long might be one. An hour All right, 15. let's go to we'll Denver. True, 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 true. Let's go over to Denver, Mile High City. We will save the Chiefs for last. Mm-hmm. This team is very interesting for Dynasty. Maybe we shouldn't have saved them this long because we're probably going to want to talk about them for a while. But Drew Locke. Mm. Got some starts last year. Yes. That's kind of all I can really say about him, okay? He, he showed some interesting flashes. It was mostly against terrible defenses. You talk on him for 60 seconds. Yeah. Can't do it. He is fine. He is... He has the potential to be, um, I would say, a, a good QB2. But I don't necessarily see him being a QB1 anytime soon. However... They did go and get him the weaponry Boy, to try to to do that. Yeah. So they already had Cortland Sutton. Also Deshaun Hamilton, but he hasn't really panned out as they thought. He's, I don't think that he would. Yeah, not not great. But Cortland Sutton certainly did show out that he can be a wide receiver one. And then they went out and got Jerry Judy, one of our favorite prospects, one of the top two, no questions asked, wide receiver prospects in this draft, along with CeeDee Lamb. Plus KJ Hamler, who is an interesting piece. Uh, certainly not the uh, technician or the po- uh, polished receiver that Jerry Judy good, is, good but slot guy. has a yes, mm-hmm. good slot guy, a lot of potential speed and explosiveness upside. So they got him that weaponry. They have Noah Fant, um, Albert Obunaye, Albert Okuibuna, <laughs> uh, Drew Locke's t- former tight end, yes, yes. now current tight end. And they have some running backs. So there's a lot of weaponry around him. I guess let's start with Locke because of everything else being so interesting. Uh, where do you see his ceiling being if he ends up being the quarterback that they think he is? 
And can he even be that? No. Mm. I don't think so. I don't think he's savage. I just don't think he has it. I love. He's like one of the most likable kids in the world. You're like, oh man, can you marry my daughter? Like that. I, I like <laughs> you can you can be a part of my family. That's okay. But I, you're not. He's not that. He, he's not the stud long term quarterback answer that, quite frankly, John Elway's been looking for since the day he took the job. Um, yep. Since Peyton Manning retired, he has no idea what he's doing at quarterback. Watch, it'll be Aaron Rodgers in two years, guaranteed. Um, I guarantee that that happens. Like no, I could see no it. question about it. Um, in which case, Jerry Judy also seems to go. Um, mm-hmm. But I just don't see it for Drew Locke. I I think that his ceiling, like if everything goes right, I think his ceiling. I can't put him in the top twelve. I I don't see. I don't see his ceiling being in the top 12. That's kind of rough. Having said that, I don't really disagree with you. (laughs) I was not necessarily a huge fan of Drew Locke as a prospect coming out of the draft. I didn't see anything from him last year that like totally changed my mind on that. Certainly, he has a better weaponry now. At least one additional piece, although it's a rookie in Jerry Judy. Um, that could elevate this team mm-hmm. quite a bit. Also got a good running back, which could help a little mm-hmm. bit. We'll talk about him in a second. But yeah, I don't... I think he could be a QB1, a back-end QB1, but I don't really see him as like a locked and loaded franchise quarterback for this team. I don't see him getting a mega deal like, you know, the Carson Wentz's and Dak... Well, Dak hasn't... But Dak will get uh, these kinds of guys. Jared Goff. I don't see him really even being that kind of guy. Maybe more of a Derek Carr. Yep. Um, that's probably that's probably the mid range of what he could be. He can certainly be better than that. But yeah, I'm not excited. We clearly are not as excited about Drew Locke as a lot of the Dynasty community is because they are freaking out about all this weaponry. But listen, guys, it's adding a lot of young, oh, potentially good weaponry to a young. We don't really know what he is, quarterback. That that does not a recipe for a QB one make necessarily he had five games last year against very subpar defenses as Betts loves to point out I just we haven't seen it like to, to say that you saw enough last year to be like this is our guy and we love him and he's our franchise dude but I'll tell you what he doesn't have any excuses now with the weapons that they Ooh. have in that offense if he's not producing you're out of you're out of chances like you have everything you could ask for from a skill position basis. So, quick name game. In Dynasty, Drew Locke or Gardner Minshew? Gardner Minshew. I agree. Barely. Uh, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? Teddy B. I agree strongly. Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins? Interesting. Very similar stories. Five games at the end of the season. You saw a little bit of flashes. Very unstable there. Um, That one's tough. I think I'd go lock. It is tough. I think I'd go lock over Haskins. I think I might go Haskins. It's so close for me. It's close. Oh, man. The thing is, I believe in Haskins more as a prospect. I believe in Locke's Locke's weaponry a little bit more. But I'm going to probably bet on the talent there and go Haskins, but it's kind of a toss-up. And I think that's the point, is that we think it's a toss-up, and everybody else would not even... I mean, they're talking about Drew Locke versus Baker Mayfield. Baker, 10 times out like of that. 10. No question about it. Yes. All right. Sorry, Drew Locke. We're done with you now. Go away. Love uh, you. Room for you, kid. Let's talk about let's, yeah, let's talk about those receivers that we just hit on. 
Because it is an interesting situation here. Corlin Sutton established himself as a wide receiver one, dynasty wide receiver one, fringe guy at least. Yep. But then they went out and drafted Jerry Judy. Extremely polished, very talented, very productive receiver with a lot of potential in the NFL. And also KJ Hamler, who we mentioned. Let's just talk about Sutton and Judy briefly. Mm. Do you think there's a chance that Judy is a wide receiver one on this team in a couple years? Or is this Sutton... 1A at least, and Judy is 1B. They're different types. You know what I mean? It's it's tough for me because Drew Locke is the best, like, technician we've seen since another Alabama alum, Amari Cooper. Like... Uh, Jerry Judy. Yes, I agree. I I do, but... You... you, What'd I say? You said Drew Locke. I'm sorry. Definitely not a technician. Definitely not a technician. No, I mean Jerry Judy, <laughs> but at the wide receiver position, polished, route running, like his breaks, his leverage, everything about what he does at the wide receiver position is the best that's come out since Amari Cooper, which everyone was dubbing him to be an absolutely polished NFL ready wide receiver also coming out of Alabama. So it's really interesting to me because it kind of has the like Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper feel to it in terms of the type of players that you have on this offense, I think that they could work in unison as like a 1A, 1B. I don't think that Judy just makes Sutton go away. I don't I don't see that happening. Sutton was actually better last year when he had Emmanuel Sanders on the opposite side before they traded into San Francisco. So I think that this helps Sutton's upside. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I also kind of See, I'll, your comparison is is pretty solid. I also like comparing it to what the Broncos used to have in Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders yeah. himself. Uh, except that I think Judy's probably better than Emmanuel Sanders. And I don't know if Sutton is really quite as good as Demarius Thomas, who was an elite wide receiver one. So with that being said, I do think it's going to be a 1A, 1B. I do think they're different enough that both can thrive in their own way. Mm-hmm. Sutton will probably, you know, have more touchdowns most commonly and. Uh, Judy will have more catches and more targets potentially in the not so distant future. So I like both. It's not great for Judy because I would have liked to see him go to a place he was the 1A or the clear one, and he's the 1B here. But I don't think it's terrible. Uh, I'm still you know interested in owning him, and it does maybe well, a lot of it rides on Drew Locke being good. So please be good, Drew Locke, because we like these. Prove receivers. me wrong. Uh, Absolutely prove me along, Drew Locke, on everything that I yes. just said and support all these fantasy assets. Do it. Do it. Uh, speaking of pass catchers, one more of, of I would say, high interest, Noah Fant. Tight end. Yeah. Very athletic, very Cooper. explosive tight end. Um, definitely has high upside. We saw some pretty good stuff from him last year. Uh is there a chance that he is a high-end tight end one within a year or two? Or is this guy, is this, is Fant more of like that, he's stuck in that revolving super tier of guys between tight ends 8 and 15? No, I I think that he has that in, in him. I, I do think that he has the talent, the yard after the catch ability is absolutely incredible. Um, super athletic. Um, he reminds me game wise a little bit of a George Kittle, except George Kittle's more well-rounded on like the blocking and the stuff like that. But in terms of what he does in the pass game and after the catch, things like that, I can see a breakout for Fant coming. I I think that he has that in him. Absolutely. 
where a couple years down the road, he could be looked at as a dynasty top five tight end. Yeah, I mean, 40 catches for 562 yards as a rookie is very solid. And that was with a mess at at quarterback, a bad team, only three touchdowns. I think that can come up as a team gets better, just like we talked about with Darren Waller. So, yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of upside with Noah Fant. I think he could be a top-end tight end one in the not-so-distant future. Um, certainly in the conversation with the Wallers and Henrys, even by this time next year. And what we've seen, so we like what we've seen from elite tight ends from a fantasy perspective is that they don't always have to be tied to an elite quarterback because we've seen it with Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen True. Waller with Derek Carr. Um, we've seen Kelsey with Alex Smith. Kelsey with Alex Smith Mahomes. before Mahomes put up over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. I think it was so you can flourish at the tight end position without needing to have a top five dynasty quarterback back there slinging the rock. So I do think that Noah Fant is a safer option to emerge than maybe some of the wide receivers that are kind of fighting. Also, Ertz with Carson Wentz, am I right? Because no. he's average as heck. Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Um, if yeah, I'm taking that guy sucks. That guy sucks. Derek Carr or Carson Wentz? Who do you pick? Oh, that's a it's tough really one. tough. It's a coin flip. I don't know. I'd have to get wrecked, Bet. Get wrecked. For our listeners, um, we're just poking fun at bets. Uh, please, please don't yes. take any of that seriously. It's Carson <laughs> Wentz. Carson Wentz. Is it's better. Carson Wentz. Um, okay, quickly on the running backs. Uh, we had a Philip Lindsay Royce Freeman backfield that we were was kind of interesting for the last couple of years because uh, Lindsay was an undrafted out of nowhere. Suddenly, he's in, close to an RB one. Royce Freeman was the guy who got drafted, another Oregon guy, uh, who got drafted and we kind of liked, and didn't do too much, dealt some injuries, and then they went out and signed Melvin Gordon. Yep. And Kaputs Royce Freeman for right now, at least, oh. probably severely hampered Philip Lindsay. <sighs> Melvin Gordon is the guy you want most in Dynasty? Yeah. Yes? Well, they okay. gave him a multi-year contract, How- too. Yes, they did. It's not a one-year deal like Gurley. They actually invested him a little bit. Um, is he in your top fifteen range? He's in right Dynasty? there, fringe. I, I, okay. I'm struggling to place him because there's guys there that I keep looking at because he is competing with Philip Lindsay, and there's other guys that don't have the same competition. I believe in Melvin Gordon's skill set. Absolutely, he's a very, very good running back, very good at uh, catching the ball. But he does have Philip Lindsay there as well, so it's gonna be a timeshare. It's just gonna be interesting to see how that shakes out to kind of solidify that long-term prognosis, but he's like around 15 to 18, somewhere in that ballpark. We talked about it with redraft breakdown. I think Philip Lindsay has been too good and too efficient for this team for them to just say, sorry, you don't get any more carries. I think he's getting six to eight carries a game pretty easy. I think think it might even be more than that. I think that Lindsay might carve out a higher role than that and be a startable flex play. I think that he might have yeah. enough value in that offense. I mean, we've seen it for, with Melvin Gordon over the last couple of years. Yeah. Austin Eckler had a role, so we could see more of that here. We do like Gordon, but outside the RB1 range for Dynasty, I agree with you there. Pretty close to 15 for me also. Um, are you interested in buying Philip Lindsay at all, or is he just kind of meh? I think that you can get Lindsay for super cheap um, because of the Melvin Gordon signing. I'm still interested in it. In the draft that we still need to talk about, BT dubs. Um, oh, I did take Philip Lindsay in that draft. Um, I am still interested in what I think that he could be uh, from a value perspective. 
Well, thank you for reminding me, John. Uh, as, as you all may know, I am not bet, so I just completely forgot that we're supposed to do a sponsor read hey! in the middle of the show. Here's the thing. It's okay, because we're sponsoring ourselves. So we, we can do are. whatever we want. It's a nice little, the Patreon nice little pet on the back today. is sponsoring today's episode because patreon.com slash ballblast is absolutely insane right now. It is by far the best place to hang out with fantasy football players, talk to us, talk to other players in the same, you know, interests, industry, everything. The chat is insane. We just started a dynasty startup league that is in the middle of the draft right now. The chat in that sleeper league Going is insane. Nuts. Absolutely bonkers. We love everybody there. I know they're all listening. Hey, guys, we love you. You, Anyone who's listening who's not on the Patreon, you should get in there so you can be part of that group also. There is exclusive content. I mentioned it earlier. That whole series on taking advantage of ADP, only available on our Patreon. There is bets, betting uh, articles going yeah. up that is only available on the Patreon. It is a great place to hang out. There are tiers I haven't even talked about that bring in sweet stuff like merch. Mm-hmm. Er. So check it out. Patreon.com slash ball blast. There's some low cost tiers and there's and if you want to get super involved, there's some high cost tiers. So just check it out, see what you want to do. Yeah. It's really fun. Five, I five bucks a month is kind of the, the sweet spot that kind of starts getting you in and unlocking some of those awesome tiers into the Slack channel. It is. We're chatting. Mm. Everyone's kicking it. You have, oh, you also get more entries whenever we do a giveaway. Um, True. Which is great. You're, you're automatically in on any giveaway that we do by being a Patreon supporter. The winner of our Devontae Adams jersey was a Patreon, was a Patreon mm-hmm. supporter. So, do that. All right. Let's move on to the last team. Well, I would Some say let's try to be quick, right? but like, this is we're us. just kind of a team that no one needs to pay attention to for fantasy. Yes. Yeah. This team is <laughs> devoid of talent. None. Um, especially at the quarterback position. They don't really know what they're doing there. No, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. They are the clear front runners. They may go on a division dominance streak that rivals the Patriots over the last 20 years, although that's probably impossible, but they're going to do their best because they just signed Patrick Mahomes to a $503 million contract. They drafted a talented pass catcher running back in the first round who now has a clear carved role to the number one spot. They have a bevy of pass catchers with a lot of talent and a lot of speed. So much speed. And it's honestly uh, one of the most well-put-together teams, at least on offense, which is all we care about for fantasy, that I can remember in recent memory. Same. Like the Broncos of 2015, the Patriots of maybe 15 years ago. These kinds of systems where everything, the, the pieces are just perfectly right and the offense is going to be absolutely unstoppable. I mean, I don't know what... There's not too much to talk about. Travis Kelsey is a top two dynasty tight end. Mm-hmm. No no disagreement there? None. Okay. All right. Do you want to put him above Kittle? Dynasty, no. I've got him at two just because of age. Redraft, he's my okay. one. Same here. Same here. I think that's pretty much an obvious consensus. Kelsey is a tight end too. He's as good as it gets besides Kittle. And you should target him in startups. You can't really buy him, probably. You're not, no. Because it's way too expensive. Give me Kittle, but you're never going to buy him. If you have him, congrats. Yeah. Uh, receivers. Tyree Kill. He's freaking Tyree Kill. He's very, very good. He's a wide receiver one. He is going to be a 1,200-plus yard guy for a couple more years at least. Going to be in the 7-plus touchdown range easily, especially if Mahomes kicks up that touchdown total again. 
no question we love Tyree Kill in Dynasty, correct? Correct. He's actually my Dynasty wide receiver, too. Woo. Let's see where I have him before I go shaming you. Ha! I have him at two. Do you? I love you. That's great. Yes, yes. Fantastic. Let's go. Dynasty tight end, or dynasty tight Dynasty wide receiver two behind Michael Thomas for both of us, mm-hmm. I assume. Mm-hmm. Okay. After that, a wide receiver, it does get a little bit more interesting. You still have Sammy Watkins there, mm. which is interesting because we didn't know if he was going to be around. He has had some good flashes for this team, but I don't know how reliable he is. Right. Then you've got no, Miko no, Hardman. No. Sammy Watkins had the week one 40-plus fantasy points. The super flash. 40-plus fantasy points last year in week one. That was more than half of his total on the year. Yeah. He also had a, has had a couple good playoff games for them. Oh, yeah. The way that he torched Sherman as a Seahawks yeah. fan, I was like, thank you. Get get wrecked, So, <laughs> so uh, let's just stop on Watkins for a second. Do you have any interest in owning him? No. Okay. None. I, no, I, think I, just, I think that's pretty fair. I, no. No. Yeah. I don't hate that. Um, Mikkel Hardman. Interested. Sophomore. Tons of speed. Yeah. Kind of maybe would be uh, better if Tyreek Hill wasn't also here because he kind of takes up that role. What kind of future do you see for Mikkel Hardman? Mikkel Hardman super interesting to me. Very, very similar to Tyreek Hill. Came out as an absolute burner. Is developing more in terms of route running, in terms of the polish, in terms of contested catches. Stuff like that. But he averaged over 20 yards a catch last year. It's it's insane. Like, it's you, you yeah. would tie him to Pat Mahomes. And, like, I want any piece of this offense not named Sammy Watkins, in, in my opinion. Because Mikkel Hardman has that ability where on any given week. Now, the, the challenge is, do you start him that week? Which is, which mm. is very tricky. But if he's developing into being the number two wide receiver on the team, which I think he takes that step this year... And you have him and Tyree Kill both on the outside, both with blazing speed and polish. I think that Mikkel Hardman has more um, upside from a consistency possession standpoint this year than what we saw from him last year. I, I am very interested in, in Mikkel Hardman in terms of what he could develop into into this offense. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. I think he's kind of a... Like, you don't want him in your starting lineup or anywhere near it, in my opinion, right no. now. But he is a guy I'm very willing to stash high on my bench yeah. uh, and see what he can become. By the way, just a quick note before we give up on Sammy completely and move on. He is in the last year of his contract, which I think is a single-year contract that they just re-upped. He's 27. There is a chance he goes somewhere else where he's not behind Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Still disinterested. That's... <sighs> Uh, I mean, for a third, <laughs> yeah, listen. for a third, I'll give you, okay. I'll give you a third okay. for Sammy Watkins. I, I think that's pretty fair. He has had his chance more than enough to really become what he was supposed he to be. Went he from hasn't the, quite done he it. He went from Sean McVay Rams of their, their gangbuster offense to Patrick Mahomes Chiefs gangbuster offense and still is not fantasy relevant. Yeah. What's it gonna it's, take? Uh, like it's I don't know what it's gonna take. It's gonna take a third round pick, and uh then I'll I'll be interested. Yeah, I'll throw it down. I agree. Sure. I think I, I think a second is too much, but for a third, I would probably slap him on my bench just in case he goes somewhere where he actually gets to be the one and is good. But it's it's a low probability. Houston. It's a, it's a dart throw. Sure. Sure. 
him and Brandon Cooks back together. Hey, get the um, Okay, well, let, let's talk about the running backs, shall we? Great way to close out this uh, this show. C- Clyde edwards Elaire. Mm-hmm. Oh my land! So we both talked about him being the RB seven for redraft. I talked about him being in competition now with Jonathan Taylor for the dynasty. 101 if you're still doing your rookies but basically right. the top rookie pick of this year's draft behind him now with Damian Williams out this year is DeAndre Washington which, who I'm not concerned about taking much no. you know he'll be what he's always been which is gets a few catches and probably has a goal line touchdown here or yeah. there but I don't see him being like a, a full-blown no. um uh what what is Frank Gore what would you call that the Vulture. word is escaping me yes thank you Vulture uh, I don't see him doing that. What, is, what has, is Frank Gore? <laughs> yes, and you knew exactly what I meant. <laughs> you hate to see it. Sorry, you hate Frank. To see it. Oh man. Uh, oh, <laughs> gorgeous. It's fantastic. Let, let's ask this question, okay? Where does Clyde Edwards-Helaire fit in your dynasty running this back ranking? This is a conversation. I haven't even made the full. I haven't even made the full decision yet, but I'm interested to know if you know where he's at. I wanted to ask you the same question because Twitter has been (gasps) going absolutely bonkers since yesterday when Damian Williams opted out. The trades that I'm seeing have been just stupid. Um, I'm seeing conversations where people are saying because of contract talks, they think that he deserves to be higher than Dalvin Cook and Amari uh, or, or Alvin Kamara. Um, I'm seeing stuff like that and I'm going, just wait, like, just, just hold, hold, hold on. You're, you're, the train is off the tracks now, guys. Like, no, no. Like where I have him in redraft, I think is the highest I can slot him in dynasty. I I can't put him in. That's still pretty high. It's very high. It's very, very high, but I can't put him above Dalvin Cook. I can't put him above uh, Alvin Kamara. Um, no way I can put him above Zeke, um, anything like that. So, um, in Dynasty, I think that he's actually going to be a spot lower. I think he's going to be eight in Dynasty, maybe even nine. But I'm going to give Derrick Henry the nod over Alvin okay. Kamara because he just got the extension. I was going to start slapping you with some names. Gonna- what about Josh Jacobs? Ooh, this is a tough one. PPR, because most times leagues are PPR. That's so tough because we haven't seen the receiving at Mm-mm. all from Josh Jacobs, and we know Mm-mm. that Alvin Kamara can, or we know that yeah, we know Alvin Kamara can catch eighty-one, and we know that Ceh can catch eighty-one if they give him the ball that many times. Oh my gosh, um, I'm gonna take Ceh tied to Patrick Mahomes over Josh Jacobs tied to Derek Carr. I also am going to take Ceh. Uh, I'm I'm Joe Mixon. I'm palpating right now. My heart is going absolutely <laughs> nuts. Oh, Mixon's not even no. It's Ceh for me over okay. Mixon. I, I'm not a Mixon guy. Chubb. Oh, um, it's still Chubb for me. I will say that at the gate. I think it's still Chubb for me because I think Hunt's going to be gone. Okay, then I think we have him probably in a very similar range, which is right around nine, eight or nine, yeah. depending on. Yeah, eight nine probably nine because you got Derrick Henry there as well. Miles Sanders. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, I know. 
CEH. I think so. I trust the offense so much well, more than I trust Philly's offense. The thing offense is right when now. you're looking at when you're looking at running backs, you gotta look at coaches. And with what Andy Reid is saying about CEH being better than Brian Westbrook when Andy Reid had him in Philly, and when Brian Westbrook put up like seventeen hundred scrimmage yards, like he that is good. If he loves CEH, he's going to get CEH the ball. Like I wrote, go yeah. go to ballblastfootball.com. I put up an article Ooh. yesterday on CEH right after the Damian Williams news broke, breaking down who he was from a college uh, perspective. Uh, outlook. I also linked an article where I actually graded him. Um, I talked about him in this offense and then in the conclusion I put a little nugget in there where he has Alvin Kamara-esque upside because of Mm -hmm. what he brings from a a catching perspective. If they use him that way, then I probably don't want any Darwin Thompson. Um, I don't want any probably Meikle Hardman at that point because at that point you're looking at him being the second receiving the option. Fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Tyree kill Travis Kelsey and then CEH. Yep. Um, and if you're looking at him getting 70 to 80 receptions per year on top of the rushing ability and the touchdown upside in that offense, CEH has the door in front of him all of a sudden to be a top three to five running back in fantasy football. Yeah. It's listen. It's tough with Ceh because we have not we seen, seen anything, and he wasn't. Well, he yeah, he wasn't, and he wasn't quite the top ten pick where you know he's a, a not miss prospect, right. like we've seen in the last several years with the McCaffreys and the Gurleys and the Henrys and the Barkleys and the Elliots. Yes, he wasn't there. So if he was drafted there, I would probably have him like in my top six. I don't. Uh, just be. Uh, I know, I know, but 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 this is today's this is today's NFL. Like I am absolutely in love with Jonathan Taylor, the prospect from a running back perspective, from what he does on the ground. Yes, I think that he has it in his game to catch the ball. I think that we could see a year two or year three jump in the receiving game, like what we saw, like from, we Zeke. saw from Zeke, exactly, exactly, which would put him in the same conversation. But Ceh has the door open to him now. That's the thing that makes it very interesting in terms of looking at these two guys. You could be looking at these two running backs both being in the top six in 2021. I wouldn't doubt that at all. Yeah, I buy it. All right, there's one player left to talk about. It is uh, Patrick Mahomes. I'm out. See ya. And we're done. <laughs> we're done. Quarterback one. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Quarterback one should have been number one on the NFL 100. Uh, Super True. Bowl MVP, former MVP, just got the bag. Um, what's there to say? He's the, like, he's the truth. He's the dude. He's it. I love him. Uh, question. Answer. Lamar Jackson and a 2021 first. Do you give me Mahomes? No, I'm keeping Pat. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much what you need to know about Pat that's, is that yeah. not only is he the one, but he's a whole first, more than a whole first ahead of the two. I agree. So uh, yeah, it's Patrick Mahomes, guys. I don't know what to tell you. That's it. That is the AFC West. It only took us an hour and twenty minutes, John. I think this is officially the longest <laughs> Red Shirts podcast ever. It's up there. This is what you get, Ben. Uh, for leaving. Bets, this is why uh, you should never leave. <laughs>
Um, if you guys are still listening, listeners, uh, hit us up on Twitter and let us know that this format is way better and yeah. you want the two-hour no-bets formats from now on. I totally agree with that. We'll just boot Can we just put a poll? Can we just put a poll up? Um, in yes, terms of, I like okay, it. Let's do that. Uh, yep. Bets, if you, if you go onto your iTunes app, um, is this dropping tomorrow? Is this dropping on? Okay, yes, dropping on Friday. Friday. Bets, if you go into your app and, and you look and it says one hour and 21 minute, I'm sorry. And I love you. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, well, that is it for us. That is it for Bets, who you can find at the Fantasy PT, even though we didn't say a single word on this podcast. Go check them out. Find me at Matt Okada on Twitter. Find John at Dynasty Beard. Any closing words on the AFC West? Um, really good for fantasy football. Indeed. Mm-hmm. A lot of good pieces here. All right. Uh, until next time, which will also be without bets. You guys are just hanging with us two for a little while. He's got to do that honeymoon stuff. Mm. Uh, but until then, Mawage, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Dynasty Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out BallBlastFootball.com for all things fantasy football.